your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 281 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of our nation's capital, Ottawa, Ontario, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Well, you may have noticed the Ottawa Senators did not play their scheduled game last night in Montreal. Real shame, and it's going to be even longer until the Senators are back on the ice. Not until April 1st. Yes, that is a week, but you got through 310 days. It will be okay. The Senators do have three schedule changes in total. We'll let you know what they are, when you can expect them to be made up. But with this long gap, why not mix in the longest college hockey game in the tournament's history? The Nodak Sens were on the wrong side of the result, but there were some very positive signs from all four of the Sens prospects. Not only do we break down the game, but we enlisted the services of Leah Hextall, the woman who called play-by-play for both Nodak Sens games this past weekend. Awesome insight, just a great person to chat with. And then tomorrow, in part two, we'll get into her career and what she is going for next as really a trailblazer of the sport. So awesome conversation with Leah. Then finally, we'll wrap up with a couple notes around the league. And what kind of contract should Drake Batherson be expecting coming off his entry-level deal? All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Monday, March 29th in Pilsy. Is this going to be the longest six-game point streak a franchise has ever had in NHL history? Well, I mean, it could be, and uh, that's another record for the Ottawa Senators to hold here, but I'd be lying if I said I would rather they not have this record and uh, get back in action. Well, they could have got back in action and kept the point streak going, so I guess that's fair. But, man, the 300 days without Sens hockey has been hard. But now that we had a taste of sense hockey, this stretch is, this seems longer to me, not going to lie. There are some very intriguing notes, though. Will, JBD, Pinto, and Jake Sanders. So we're going to get a full breakdown of that game and what some pros and cons are to Jake Sanders leaving school. But let's update you on the new Senator schedule. The NHL updated a lot of games. I want to say upwards of 25 games were rescheduled. The Senators now do not play until Thursday. Their game that was supposed to be in Montreal on Sunday, yesterday, is now scheduled for April 17th. The game tomorrow that was initially scheduled on Tuesday, Montreal in Ottawa, is now scheduled for May 5th. And the Toronto Maple Leafs at Ottawa was scheduled for May 5th, will now be played on May 10th. So the Senator season ends with that game now on home ice against the Dirty Maple Leafs. That would be a nice way to end, uh, what would you call it, frustrating season. I mean, there's still time. And we mentioned the Senators 3-0-3 in their last six games. But, yeah, they've done well enough against Toronto that it's a nice way to send them 
adieu. Well, another good note about the games being pushed back, especially to this week, that leaves an opportunity for two more games if and when, in fact, the NODAC sends sign. So let's get into that game. It was a barn burner. You watched the whole thing front to center. I caught on for the overtimes until the fifth. It was the longest game in college history at 142 minutes long. And it did not look like it was going to get past regulation, Pilsy. Yeah, this was a wild game. It started out really slow. Like the first two periods, it was 0-0. I mean, some action, but nothing crazy. And then UMD got a couple lucky bounces. Well, one lucky bounce and then a shot block that led to a breakaway that they buried on. It was 2-0 UMD. And the Bulldog fans were roaring. Like they were a rowdy bunch there. They made themselves known. It seemed like they had all the momentum. Then... After those two goals, Bradbury tones things down. He gets his team back in focus, and they pull their goalie. They get a lucky bounce on the first one, and then Jordan Kawaguchi, college captain shit, ties it up at 2-2 to send this game to overtime, and that's just where the game started, really. I mean, they played a full another game of overtime and more after that. So once this game got to overtime, things got interesting. Well, listen to just what... Jake Sanderson was able to do as an 18-year-old. This guy's supposed to be a freshman in high school. He plays 52 minutes and 58 seconds. That sounds like a lot, right? Yeah, it was the fourth most on the team, but the third most among Sens prospects as Shane Pinto played 53-14 and JBD 53-15. JBD was his typical self, very steady defensively. Shane Pinto assisted on both NODAC goals, but Jake Sanderson's the guy to watch for because at the start of the fifth overtime, he comes out and has a beautiful end-to-end rush. How does he still have that stamina? It's amazing. Uh, well, we talk about it with Leah, and you're going to hear it, but uh, his 8 o'clock bedtime, definitely he's getting sleep, uh, rest, and recovery is key. But I don't, I don't want to cruise past the disallowed goal in overtime, too, because that was wild. I want to cover that just for a second. I don't, Ross, have you ever seen an overtime elimination goal disallowed? Like, It was wild. And the guy put himself offside. It was just crazy. UMD, the gloves are thrown. Equipment's everywhere. Everyone's on the ice. The the Bulldog fans in the crowd are banging on the glass. Like, this thing is is done. It's over. And then the refs take a look. He's a little bit offside. And UND, Dakota, still has some life. And that you you're not sure whether it's going to quickly wrap up after that or go on forever because that happened and it went on forever yeah it certainly did wrong side of it for North Dakota but really a blessing in disguise now I think that the betting odds would lean that both JBD and Shane Pinto sign in the National Hockey League JBD a little more leverage to get NHL games maybe burn a year off his entry-level contract because if he does go back for his final year at school. And I shouldn't even say final year. He could theoretically go back for two years, but the Senators only hold his rights for one more year. NCAA, with the whole COVID situation, said that this year does not burn a year of eligibility for anyone. So even the seniors like Kawaguchi, you doubt they will because, you know, NHL contracts are waiting there for them that they would sign. But technically, they could all go back to school. However, with Shane Pinto, Are you thinking that he could agree to an ATO, play the year in Belleville, and then start his entry level next year? Or is he a guy where you're like, okay, you just have to sign him and see where the chips fall? Again, if they play under seven games of the remaining NHL schedule, their contract would slide regardless. 
I think he, you could go either route with Shane Pinto. I think you could see him do the ATO uh, Crookshank route playing Belleville. I don't think that's going to happen though, because Belleville is not in a position to go on a long playoff run. There's no real, there's no real motivation to do that. I think what you're going to see is he's going to be brought into the NHL. We're going to see what he's got. This is a guy that can win face-offs. He can do so many small things. Uh, we'll see how he can do that at a pro level. Obviously, taking face-offs in college, very different than taking face-offs in the NHL. But I think he's a guy that DJ Smith wants in his lineup. This is a team that's weak uh, up the middle, I would say. And they could use all the help they can get. And you might, for me... Burning years is really only a, a real question when you're looking at franchise superstar players, not to downplay Pinto, but I don't think he's at that level. So if you burn one year of his entry level deal, I don't think it makes a big difference either way. Fair enough. Do you think there's anything to it where you don't want any of these contracts to coincide with Tim Stutzla's entry level coming up? I mean, that's something that uh, the general manager of the Ottawa centers, Pierre Dorian, and I don't I was going to say they're capologists, but I'm sure their capologists is just a Texas instrument uh, Cap cal- calculator. Yeah, exactly. It's nothing different than what we would be using. But I don't, I don't know if that's so detrimental. Like I think the Sens have so much cap space that it's going to be okay. And like I said, I don't put Pinto in that superstar category, so he's not going to be making an astronomical amount of money that is really going to throw your whole cap situation for a loop. So for me, I'm not overly concerned. It's, it's not about the contracts and the money for me. It's about his play. Yeah, that's fair. I think Jake Sanderson's the one guy who you'd like to hold off, whether it's burning a year, if he does turn pro or if you send him back for one more year of school, it's not the worst thing in the world. We get into that with Leah as well. We'll talk about the pros and cons of him coming out of school after But before we throw it to the woman who called both UND games over the weekend, let's power up. She could have used a Bilt Bar, eh, in the third intermission of that game because Bilt Bars are the protein bar that tastes like candy bar, and they are great when you're looking for something with high protein, high fiber, but you want something that's low in calorie, low in sugar because Bilt Bars are great for the health-conscious guy or girl. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They come in 16 amazing flavors. You'll never get tired of same old, same old. Eight are nut-free. Eight have chocolate nuts, but all Built Bars are 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. I have one with my coffee every morning. Pilsy, how about you? What's up with your pick of the week? Great uh, reference that Leah could have used some Built Bar. So Built Bar, if you're listening to this, they should have shipments ready for broadcasters going into overtime games because that's what you need to keep you going for sure. And not only it's good energy, Ross, it's a tasty treat. And if you got tasty treats, you got to have good flavors. And what better way? I've been doing Pillsy's pick of the day for a long time, but this championship bracket, you got to check it out at builtbar.com. They're really showing you kind of the hierarchy of flavors. So if you're deciding, do I want apple almond crisp? Or do I want caramel brownie? Well, which one made it farther in the championship bracket? That'll tell you. And we're in the enticing eight here. The three of the four flavorful fours, that's a good one, flavorful four, are already presented. They've already moved on. We're looking at the final enticing eight matchup here. It's coconut brownie chunk versus caramel brownie, two elite flavors. But I'm going with coconut brownie chunk. The coconut light flakiness flavor is so good. And then you get the added bonus of the brownie chunks. 
easy winner for me. So that's Pillsy's pick of the day, coconut brownie chunk. Go to BuiltBar.com and make your vote for the championship bracket today. And while you're at BuiltBar.com, make sure you use the promo code LOCKED15 at checkout and you'll get 15% off your next order. It's Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. All right, here she is. Play-by-play voice, Leah Hextall. All right, we now welcome a very, very special guest. She's a trailblazer in the hockey world doing play-by-play. Last March, a part of the first all-female broadcast at the NHL level, the first to do at the NCAA level. Last night added another accolade to her growing list of accomplishments calling the longest NCAA tournament game in the 76-year history. Leah Hextall, welcome to Locked On Senators. How are you doing today? Well, I feel like I'm a little hungover, to tell you guys the truth. And I didn't have a sip of booze last night, but it's simply because we were at the rink for about eight hours and six and a half of those was calling a hockey game. I believe it. Yeah, we were mentioning it was yeah six and a half hours, give or take, 142 minutes, eight periods, five overtimes. Now, Jordan Kawaguchi, after the game, mentioned the players were drinking Coke, getting some IVs, anything to keep the blood sugar up. Did you have any secret stuff? How were you able to keep the stamina maintained? You know, I wish I would have been in one of the dressing rooms because that would have been a lot better than what I had. I have to say, this is a learning experience to never come in unprepared again for what might happen when you're calling. I had water, obviously. I had some throat lozenges, which I always have. But there was nobody there to serve coffee around me. There was no Pepsi products or anything that I could grab to, you know, grab just a little sugar shock. I did have some orange juice with me. So I started drinking those and I had one banana and I didn't even get to it because I wasn't hungry at all. I just felt thirsty. I was chugging about a bottle of water per period from the second inter uh, overtime on towards the fifth. So that's pretty much my regimen, but uh, lesson learned, I will be better prepared. Yeah, wow. That's one of those scenarios where, uh, Leah, I hope they're paying you by the hour, not by the game, because uh, you really stretched literally into overtime there. Now, I got to ask you, once that overtime goal is disallowed, did you have a feeling that this would be wrapped up quickly after with like a kind of a big momentum shift or something like that? Or could you kind of feel that uh, maybe not that the longest game in NCAA history was about to happen, but that this could stretch on for a while because these two teams, it was a back and forth game. It was. And honestly, I really didn't have a sense of what was going to happen, especially after that. I think once North Dakota tied it up, you know, we saw it and it was so emotional. They were down to nothing after bang, bang goals early in the third from UMD. And then they pull Adam Scheele. He comes out for the last two and a half and North Dakota digs in and ties it up. And that was already, you, you know, you were at a 20 out of 10 on your spectrum. And so there was already so much energy. And I actually felt like first overtime was going to go quick. I thought this is going to be done within five. Both these teams are moving. I felt like North Dakota had some momentum, but I really felt like they're going to come out and somebody's going to finish this quick because of how much skill. When the goal was disallowed, I was at that point kind of like, what else are we going to see in this game? These two teams are giving us everything you could possibly imagine from, you know, just it was a zero zero game until the third guys. And it didn't feel like a zero zero game. There was so much 
to offer there. They were going back and forth, as you said. There were so many great quality scoring champions uh, chances. And the goaltenders, you know, Stayskull and Shield were absolutely sensational, making huge saves on, you know, the top offenses in the nation. So um, it was unbelievable. But after that goal was disallowed to get back to your question, I'm sorry if I'm rambling a bit, but it, um, it didn't feel like we were going to have to dig in. But I'll tell you this, when we hit overtime number three, I thought, I don't know if this game's going to end. Like, I really started to get that feeling because the pace was starting to slow down a bit because fatigue was sit- setting in. The third overtime was, you know, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't what we had seen in the first two. And I thought, is this just going to get tit for tat now and just a lot of neutral zone territory and no possession because nobody wants to make a mistake at that point. And you know, that's how it's going to end through fatigue or a mental block. So it wasn't sustained pressure. It wasn't, you know, aggressiveness, maybe as much as it was in the first two overtimes, but then come the fourth overtime and the fifth, the fifth, when they came out, they were back to play. They wanted, these teams wanted to finish it and you could feel it. And that's what happened with Luke Mill Mox getting it done. Oh, Jake Sanderson hitting the post shortly before. Oh, can you. I? So, yeah, oh, yeah, sorry. You go ahead. If no, please. Anytime. Sanderson, please do. Anytime okay. you want to talk about Sanderson, we'll accept So that. this is the thing about Jake Sanderson. I don't know what his cardio routine is. I would like to call him and ask. I don't know what he's doing. He looked like he hadn't played a second in the fifth overtime. The way he was skating, I have never, I don't know, but this kid, and I shouldn't call him a kid, this young man. He's supposed to be in high school. He skipped his last year. Okay, Well, there you go. So he still is a kid. Okay, I didn't even know that fun fact. But he was sliding around out there like nobody's business. He looked fresh as a daisy. There was no player on the ice that still was performing the way that Jake Sanderson was by that fifth overtime. It was unbelievable. He is a gift. He glides. He, you know, and every time he had the puck, you could see him looking. You know, he didn't, you know, being a freshman even, you could see him looking at ice, and he just wanted to take this game on his stick for North Dakota and go. But North Dakota, even though he has the freedom to do it because you saw him cycle around the net so much as a defenseman going down low. But, you know, and Ethan Frisch, number 15 for North Dakota, gives him that ability because he stays back and kind of allows him to do his thing, which is just makes him such a good pairing. But Sanderson, you could see him every time he just wanted to go. You could see he wanted to finish it. You could see that he was thinking in his mind, I could zip in there and get this done. But he played within the structure, which actually shows a lot of maturity in such a young player. So I can't say enough about him. I was thoroughly impressed. And uh, JVD, Jacob Bernard Docker, my goodness, what a treat as well. He, I was saying his name probably every second word uh, in the overtimes, it felt like. Um, I don't know what his time on ice was. I think there was some guys, I think that, you know, I'm not quite sure, Kirstad but one of the guys, the yeah, that's what I was going to say. Kirstad, I said his name every first word and JBD was every second <laughs> word. It felt like, but I think Kirstad, was he close to like 60 minutes or yes, something fi- like that? I heard. 45. Wow. Unreal. Yeah, what a, yeah. Unbelievable. But those defense, and I think Wyatt Kaiser on UMD was right up there as well. Yep. Number five, he's a Chicago Blackhawks draft pick, but I have to say, um, and Tyler Clevin, I mean, so Guest like this the show. sense, the Sens have so much coming. It's it's really exceptional. And we haven't even talked about Shane Pinto, who's just a superstar in waiting. Yeah, well, you mentioned Jake Sanderson's routine. When we had Tyler Clevin on, we asked, what makes Sanderson special? You know, they spent two years together at the U.S. program before uh, signing their letters of intent on the same day. Says he's in bed at 8 o'clock every night. He's the first guy up in the morning. He's making his omelet at the rink at 6.30. Just loves it. So that is just music to our ears about Jake yeah. Sanderson. 
that makes sense to me now. So that would have been a really late night for him having to yeah, play that game. 100%. He must have had to maybe like take his routine a little bit. And, you know, and I think this, it, it can't be lost that, you know, I, I talked to before the tournament, I connected with the senators and I talked to Jesse Winchester, obviously former player, now uh, a development coach for them. So he's really seen them play quite a bit. And, you know, he obviously spoke about JDD and Sanderson. They're such high draft picks for them, but he really, when I asked him about Tyler Clevin, you could hear the smile through the phone. He was like, this is a player that I have to give our scouts a ton of credit about. He said, there's so much untapped potential there offensively. And he said, he's mean. And I saw that in the two games I called that kid, he wants to hit. And when he hits, he does it with intent. And it's, you know, he's going to be an interesting player, as I, I think, for the Senators as well. So don't sleep on Tyler uh, because he he was the K train well. we call him. If you get to oh, call his games next year, the Sens used to have Anton Volchenkov, the A train. So mm-hmm. similar style of play. So yeah, well we put that out on Twitter and it really caught on. Oh, but, that's great. That's really good. Oh yeah, and Pilsy's got a a good reference that we got about Sanderson skating and who it compares to. Yeah, well, it's funny you were talking about how it seems like he just like wasn't getting more tired and his conditioning great. Well, Craig Button told us he sees a lot of Niedemeyer in Sanderson's game. And Decent just as comparable. Yeah, yeah, you like to hear that. And just the <laughs> like people always say after the game, Niedemeyer like wouldn't have a bead of sweat on him after 35 plus minutes. He's just doing his crossword puzzles, chill as a cucumber. So I could see Sanderson doing that crossword puzzles from 745 to 8 right before bed. <laughs> before, That's his... Uh, yeah. That's his routine. But I want to stick with Sanderson. And a hot topic now that UND season is over for Sanders fans is, is this a guy that can jump to pro right away? Or is this someone that could benefit from some more time at UND? Now, I think a lot of people, they need to understand that this is a guy who sure he's dominating, but at a college level. Now, what do you think uh, about that scenario? Do you think JB or sorry, Sanderson could benefit from a little more seasoning in the college level, or is he ready to make that jump this season? So first, the thing about me is that I have been covering hockey for about two decades now almost, and I started in the junior ranks, and I am a big believer in not rushing players, no matter how gifted they are. We have a habit nowadays of thinking that players, because the young players are so good that as soon as they're drafted, 18 years of age, they should be jumping to the National Hockey League, and they shouldn't. That's for generational players. And I'm not somebody who thinks everybody's a generational player. I think there's less than five of them in the entire NHL through the last 100 years. So let's get that straight first. So for me, when it comes to my opinion about Sanderson, is I think he definitely would benefit by staying at North Dakota. It's not just about his skill set. First of all, he's a defenseman. To be a defenseman in the National Hockey League at a young age is very difficult. It's extremely difficult. It is the, one of the most, besides the goaltender, it's one of your most important positions. And the other thing about it is you want him to go there and mature and you want him to build confidence. And the North Dakota program is going to do that. They're going to continue to contend. And whenever you have a player, you know, whether it's world juniors, whether it's college going up, like it's just, you know, you want to make sure that they have that time to get that experience because that's going to mature them as a person and a player. So if it's my opinion, I think he stays there. I think he should stay there because yes, he's doing very well, but there was better players than him on the ice. And that's something to be said because he's playing against the best of the best in college. And there were players that were just as good as him, you know? And so it's not like he was standing. Yes. He, his endurance in the game stood out, but it wasn't like he was dominating it and taking over every shift. 
And in order for him to make that jump right now, I would say that's where he needs to be. You give him another season even, and I think he'll be ripe and ready. And I think that they should give him that because he's a young kid. And being just even big man on campus in a place like North Dakota, I think that's important because they have such a good institution there and such a storied program. So I think that, yeah, I definitely think he should stay, in my opinion. Well, especially in a year where COVID has such a role Absolutely. as well. You don't get that same college experience as you would. Two guys who were able to get that experience, but then had unfinished business. And, well, that business still remains unfinished. But we think it's time for Shane Pinto and Jacob Bernard Docker to turn pro. You think they're both ready for the next level? I definitely think Jacob Bernard Docker should. I, I think it's going to help his game actually to turn pro. I, you know, when you watch him down there, he's got so much poise with the puck. And so I think he needs to be challenged to see if that poise can continue or how to balance that when he, you know, goes to that level up. And I don't think people understand, you know, uh, it's such a big step. It, it's such a big step to go from college to whether, you know, you end up in the American League or you go to the NHL. But there's such important steps and it's such an important development. But I do think that he he is a guy that is ready to go. Shane Pinto as well. Um, you know, he's a Hobie Baker finalist. I know everybody thinks that Cole Caulfield's just going to run away with it. And my analyst, Dave Starman, spoke about this last night. You know, don't sleep on Pinto. He has so much offensive skill. And what impressed me the most is that his ability to still drive to the net, even when he's on his backhand, even when he has a body, you know, on him, just that, just he drove. And my goodness, does he have the ability to make things happen when he's on the ice. And I think he's just going to be a dynamite player uh, as he continues on. Uh, I might've just been trolling Habs fans, but I mean, it worked, but I put out on Twitter saying that Shane Pinto will have a better NHL <laughs> career than Cole Caulfield. We wow. Know Habs fans love that little guy. We'll see if the shot can uh, work up at the NHL level, but he is nasty. I, and I think by all accounts, he will be the Hobie Baker winner. Sense fans doing what they can though, with the fan vote, really making that tight. Stick taps to Leah for joining us. Really appreciate her. And we know whatever's next is going to be outstanding. Stay tuned for part two of our interview with Leah, where we touch on her career, what her goals are, and a whole lot more. But you can bet we'll be back five days a week now, Monday through Friday. And maybe we'll do a little bonus shows on Saturday. But for now, Send Central Citizen, a little programming note will be on Fridays. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And Follow us on social media as well, LockedOn.Senators on Instagram, and Send Central on Twitter. We're always on Twitter, but we're also always on BetOnline.ag. It's the one place that has us covered here at the Locked On Podcast Network, the one place we trust for all of our sports gambling needs. March Madness is going crazy, as you'd expect. We're down to the Elite Eight, and what better way to get into March Madness and putting a little shekel or two on the big game. The NHL, yes, the Sens schedule has slowed down, but there are still games going on across the National Hockey League, and they're waiting for you to make money off of. So here's how you get your free play money. You go to betonline.ag, and you sign up today for a free account. And when you do, you make your first deposit, and there is a promo code screen. And because you're a listener of the Locked On Senators podcast, that's no worries. You're entitled to 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit. So if you put in $100, bingo, bango, bongo, right in your account, that's 50 bucks. Put in 200, you get 100 free play money. Now, free play money means you have to bet it to win it. 
But when you need a little advice, why not dig in to Pillsy's Parlay of the Day? Let's go. The Parlay of the Day is back, and we got a couple good options here. A couple good games on the slate for the NHL here March 29th. Let's start with the free spot on the bingo card, guys. The Buffalo Sabres are playing, so you know I'm getting the Philadelphia Flyers money line. Last time I got a little greedy. This always happens to me with the puck line. Can't be doing that this time. The money line is at not bad odds, actually. Minus 191 is uh, actually pretty favorable. I'll take that all day up against the lowly Buffalo Sabres. Then we're going to head to Colorado. This money, this uh, odd is out of the out of this world, like minus 375 money line for Anaheim Ducks. So <laughs> that one's not bringing home a lot of bacon, but that's the beauty of the parlays. You get a couple easy wins and combine them together and you get better odds. Now, this is the one where this is kind of our roll of the dice here, but I'm pretty confident the San Jose Sharks are also just bad, just plain bad. And uh, Minnesota Wild are looking like a team that's actually fun to watch. First time in a long time. So we're going to take their money line at minus 154. That's not bad. Three-team parlay, guys. Philadelphia Flyers money line, Minnesota Wild money line, and Colorado Avalanche money line. Put 10 bucks in. You're going to win 2183. That is Pillsy's parlay of the day. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action. And don't forget the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. All right, Pilsy, one more note. I mean, you mentioned it in your parlay of the day. Don't skip ads. So go back and listen to what his parlay of the day is. However, in that San Jose Sharks game, Patrick Marlowe is playing in game. 1,757. I'm exhausted from just saying it. I can't imagine going through every one of those games. He is passing Mark Messier for second on the all-time list, and he is now within 10 of Gordie Howe. Pretty impressive stuff, eh? That's incredible. I mean, Ross, I don't even think I've watched that many hockey games. Actually, I know I haven't. That is insane amount of games to be playing, and that's that's got to be one of the most prestigious records to have like talk to these nhl guys and when you ask them like oh what do you think of this guy or whatever most of the time the first thing they say is he played a lot of games like he played over a thousand games over 10 seasons like the grind to be in the nhl season after season decade after decade is insane so patrick marlowe big stick taps to him and Hopefully he can break Gordy Howe's record because that is just legendary. And I, he's probably not even done after he breaks that record. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if he comes back for one more year after this. Oh, come on. That would be crazy. Uh, anyway, stick taps to Patrick Marlowe. Glad he's not wearing blue and white when he makes this accomplishment. And, you know, he's back where he belongs anyways in San Jose. Hey, so we got some breaking news coming out of Sens practice. They're on the ice now. Matt Murray skating with the team. So, um, he's due for a good game in his next start, but of course we are always wanting the best of health for all of the Sens players. Artem Anisimov as well, taking off IR, although honestly I thought he was on the taxi squad. So did but, I. <laughs> but uh, Clark Bishop has been assigned to the taxi squad on his birthday, no less. So Come on. Sorry about that, Clarky, but you know what? He's gotten a couple weeks of NHL pay over the last while. So uh, no harm, no foul there. The Sens are off until Thursday. Does Matt Murray get that start, do you think? Or is it just one step in the process of getting him back? 
no, there's no way Matt Murray gets that start. Like, if, from what we heard, he was week to week. So there, there's not a chance there. The guy we got to be eyeing on is Marcus Hogberg, right? Like, that's a guy he just played a conditioning stint in Belleville. This break really benefits him. And unfortunately, it really hurts Gustafson and Anton Forsberg. It really does. And I wish that Belleville had at least one game, maybe two during this stretch. And you could send down a few guys, get them continuing to grow their game and get on the ice. But Belleville's off until Saturday. So that's a full week. And uh, it's not ideal, but what Great is... time for a Daily Sends podcast, eh? Oh, we're ready. We've been, we've been ready for this stuff. And that's where contract negotiations come in. That's where pros and cons lists come in. But it's a fifth overall pick, Jake Sanderson. Is he going the route of Kale McCarr? We love that comparable. Adam Fox, Charlie McAvoy, guys who went back to his second year at school. Note that they're all defensemen, right? You don't want to rush them versus anybody or give me some pros. What would be make the most sense for Jake Sanderson to turn pro and play either in Ottawa or Belleville? Well, I, I'm going to start this off with there's two sides of opinions here. Yeah, the people that are like, get he's absolutely amazing. Fifth overall pick. He looks great out there. Get him on the Senators roster yesterday. Like he needs to be in the pros now. Those people are fans. <laughs> the fans want that. I haven't heard, and Ross, correct me if, if I'm wrong or if you've heard different. Have you heard a single person in the media, hockey world, any anyone who you can't label as a fan suggest that Sanderson go pro? I haven't heard a single person that's not a fan say that. They all say he would benefit so much from one more year at UND. What, like, what's your thoughts on that? Do you know what I really liked was Leah Hextall's insight saying that there's something to it as well, not only the on-ice factor, but being big man on campus, that whole deal and the whole college experience, which has been just sideswiped through COVID, I think Jake Sanderson should go back for one more year. I'll be ecstatic if he signs. I know that his skating is elite. I know that he works hard at his craft, and it would be nice. Like Best case scenario would be you bring him to Ottawa, have him around the team, practicing with the team, and then go back. But that's just not an option, unfortunately. I think that there, I, like I see what people want with bringing him up. I just think that especially with the turnover with hopefully JBD with Matt Kierstead, both leaving school, the only two defensemen who played more than Jake Sanderson in that NCAA tournament game, he's going to be the guy. And I think that's important to get him ready for the next level. This is a guy who's supposed to be in high school this year and, and accelerated to get to North Dakota early. So no, for me, all signs point towards staying at North Dakota for one more year. Nice. I'm glad I'm not the only boring one on here. This time, I don't have to reel you down. Uh, we're on, we're on the same even keel here. But there's also, like, you got to look at the specific scenario as well, right? Like, you already mentioned it. There's there's other... He's going to be getting a better role at UND because of the scenario here. But also, he would be having a lesser role in Ottawa if he came up because of guy you just mentioned, JBD, coming up. Eric Branstrom next year is going to be a pivotal season for him. Those yeah, two so guys... That- are going to get a chunk of that development. And Sanderson doesn't need to be at that level yet. Well, the left side, I'm happy if it's Shabbat, Branstrom, Mike Riley next year. Same. To me, that's that's good. And then you introduce Jake Sanderson when he's at least, like he'd still be 20 if he goes back to school for another year and then comes out the next year. Well, (laughs) frankly, if he does this same situation next year 
he'll still be 19. That's like he's one of the youngest players in the draft. There's just no need to rush. But if he signs, like I'm going to be going out to get a Sanderson jersey that day. So you know what? I think that this kid is special no matter what. But there's just no rush based on what the Sens depth chart's looking at. What the, the minutes you would give Sanderson, I think should go to Eric Branstrom at this point. Yep, agreed. And and that's the thing too. Like if we're if we're talking about a left winger then maybe, yeah, sure, get him in right away. But being a defenseman in the NHL is so damn hard. And not only do you need speed, skill, hockey IQ, but you need size. Like, why not give Jake Sanderson another another year of growth, of building muscle, of gaining weight, you know, all those kinds of things. I just see the benefits of him going to UND. It's like 30 to 1 outweighing the pros and cons of him going back to UND and him playing pro. I just, I don't think it makes sense right now for him to do that. And there's really no rush. Like if the senators were ready to contend next season and were in desperate need of a, of a defenseman to come up, which they are in need of a defenseman, but they have other guys who are ahead of him on that chart. So let's just all take a deep breath. I know we're so excited about UND and how great Sanderson has looked and Hey, We've been probably the number one stand supporting that, uh, putting out uh, tweets and clips of people saying how great Sanderson is. But let's all calm down. There's no rush here. We also put out the most lopsided poll in the history of Twitter yesterday at Sense Central, where we asked about Drake Batherson's upcoming contract. Would you be happy if they signed the pending RFA to the Alex Tuck contract? Now, a right winger was also coming out of his entry-level deal, had one good season, before he signed 94% say yes. Now the contract was seven years at 4.75. Are you on that, that side of the equation as well? Or are you at the 6% who likes to see the world burn? No, I'm actually on the popular uh, side of history here. And yes, I would sign him to that deal for sure. But the thing is, I don't think that deal materializes. Like I don't think the senators want that deal really. And I don't think Batherson wants it either. Like seven years. That's a, that's a massive deal. Like I, I see the Batherson deal being a three or five year deal here. Well, five years would bring him right to unrestricted free agency. So I think you stay away from four or five. I think three is great. And at that point he would have arbitration rights, which he does not have this summer or you, you sell him on the fact that, Hey, we're, we're offering to guarantee you over $30 million. Yeah. And if you're 23 years old, you're like, okay, maybe I'm going to be giving up some at the back end of that. But Ottawa should be looking to weaponize their cap in the next couple of years. Like they have 21 million in cap space this year. And that's not about to get any closer. Oh, I guess with Brady signing, but beyond that and Drake, but it's not going to be close to the cap by any means. So you can give Drake a little bump for the next couple of years, maybe overpay him knowing that he's going to pay you back 10 over in the final years of his contract, when the Sens are competitive, when they're going to want to add people to push them over the edge. So I think that that's what Vegas did with Alex Tuck. They're like, look, we're giving you something more than fair now. And now he's overplaying that contract. So that was so lopsided that we tried it again with the contract that Jordan Eberle signed out of his his entry-level deal. These are both right-wingers, although Tuck signed his in 2018. Eberle was a little bit earlier, like 2012. He signed, though, six by six. And that one was a bit closer, but still 67% of the, of the population of the, of the popular vote said that that would be a great deal for the Senators and that Drake Batherson 
wouldn't sign that. Like I get, I get that he's a great player, but are sense fans maybe overvaluing from Batherson's standpoint, what he can sell in a contract right now. I think so. And I want to hit on a couple things. Uh, like you mentioned, the three and five year deals are interesting because either that means Drake got the leverage and got a deal that takes him to UFA or the Sens got the leverage and got him a deal that keeps him in RFA. So that's why I said three or five, because those are the two sides of the arguments. Then, yeah, the Alex Tuck thing, I think that's that's interesting, but I'm not sure that's the route either side takes. The Jordan Eberle one is very interesting. I don't, I don't think you need to fork over that money for Batherson to stay is is my thinking. Like, I don't think you need to pay him that much. And I think you can get him maybe a shorter term deal for a little less money. And that's fine. Like you also said, there's big contracts coming up in Stutzel and Brady, but don't forget Artem Anisimov off the books, Derek Stepan off the books, Eric Branson off the books. That's $14 million in cap space gone Ross. So plug in Brady at, I don't know, let's just, Let's just throw out a number there and say eight for argument's sake. I'm not saying that's what it's going to be, but just to make it easy, eight. Then you could give Batherson that six, and there you go. And right? you're breaking even. But exactly. although Zub needs a new deal as well, and he's due yeah. for a raise. He's under a million. I, I think he could get three, three and a half. Yeah. Yeah, the Zub deal is interesting. I, I could see it something like that, but that's going to be a short-term deal. I don't see them uh, locking him up, other unless they want to take the Nikita Zaitsev risk that Toronto <laughs> oh. took, right? But see, that's the risk that the Sens would be taking by offering them this long-term deal at the same time. But it's also showing your fans that you're willing to keep another young talent. And then the jersey sales spike because I have friends who love the new jerseys, but they just say they don't want to put a name on the back because they've just been disappointed over and over again. They've got a closet full of jerseys of Sens abroad. Yeah, and I mean, I can attest to that. Thank God I got the Sens fans to choose my jerseys. Ross, my jersey choices at the start of the year, I was going to get a Rudolph Balser's Belleville jersey. Ah, song, see you later. That didn't, uh, that one didn't pay off. And then I was going to get a Duclair Sens jersey. Yeah, another <laughs> swing and a miss there. So I can't blame people from that aspect. And also, I think, I really do think Drake wants to be here. Like, that's a guy who I think he's oh, yeah. he's grown up in the system, right? He's seen what these up and coming guys in Brady, in Stutzla, in um, even the goaltenders, in Decord, Shabbat, all these guys, he knows the potential here. And I, I would be shocked if he's the kind of the kind of guy that, you know, goes for the money here, like chases the bill because he knows he's in a good situation. And like I said before, if you're Drake Batherson and your chemistry with Tim Stutzla is incredible, that's a situation you're not going to run from. That's that's something that you want to be attached to the hip of that German guy. So I think Drake Batherson's going to want to stay here. I really, it, it all comes down to everything needs to wait for the Brady contract. That's yeah. That's the first domino. And then once that domino falls, then everything else starts lining in place because NHL teams, like I said, the cap all just would usually take care of this. I don't know how the Sens do this, but they have a hierarchy of we can pay this guy this much because that means the contract like reference point for this other guy is going to be here. So they're saying if we play, pay Brady $8 million, then we're looking at Drake somewhere in the four, five, six million range, something like that, right? So it all falls into place once you get your major guys locked up. So that's going to be the big interesting one. And I think... Yeah, we got to see the captain see handed to Brady with that eight-year deal, and then we can start really worrying about Drake. Yeah, 100%. Lots of time to do that. Also, the trade deadline is two weeks away, 
and we'll have a better idea of how the protection list for the expansion will go and a whole lot more following that. Stay tuned as well. We have part two with Leah Hextall. Hope you enjoyed part one. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.